Abby said, but he still liked to chat with students after a lecture, especially female students, she added, sometimes over coffee, and see in their eyes the fire his words could kindle. It was after this lecture and subsequent coffee that Miss Spivey had marched to the teacher's college and signed up all aflame. Two years later, she told a cheery blue-suited woman from the WPA that she wanted to bring democracy and education to the poorest, darkest, most remote and forgotten corner of America. They sent her to Three-Step Georgia. Miss Spivey paused there for questions, avoiding my brother Ralph Ford's eye. What we really wanted to know about, all 26 of us across seven grade levels in the one room, was the pearly white button hanging on a string in front of the blackboard behind the teacher's desk up front. That button on a string was something new. When Mavis Davis, the only bona fide seventh grader at age 13, asked what it was for, Miss Spivey gave the string a tug, and to our astonishment, the whole world, or at least a wrinkled map of it, unfolded before our eyes. Her predecessor, Miss Chandler, had never once made use of that map, which was older than our father's, and until that moment, not a one of us knew it was there. Miss Spivey showed us on the map how she and Dr. Janet Miller had sailed across the Atlantic Ocean and passed the rock of Gibraltar into the Mediterranean Sea. Using the end of a ruler, she gently tapped such places as Morocco and Tunis and Algiers, to mark their route along the top of Africa. In Egypt, she said, they stopped long enough to climb a pyramid, a sketch of which she drew for us on the board next to the map. I wish I could convey to you children its true size and grandeur, she said. From there, they went on through the Gulf of Suez and down around Arabia and right up the Persian Gulf, which Miss Spivey said was the most beautiful body of water in the world. They spent twenty hours on the train to Baghdad, she said, swathed in veils against the sand that crept in every crack and crevice. I pictured them with scarves pulled across their faces like a pair of lady bandits. And can you guess what we saw from the train? Miss Spivey asked. We could not. Camels! she said. We saw a whole caravan of camels. She looked around the room, waiting for us to be amazed and delighted at the thought. We all hung there for a minute, thinking hard. You could see the anticipation on Miss Spivey's face fading as the seconds passed, until Mavis Davis spoke up. She means like the three kings rode to Bethlehem, Mavis said and she folded her hands smugly on a seventh-grade desk in the back of the room. Miss Spivey made a mistake right then. Instead of beaming upon Mavis the kind of congratulatory smile that old Miss Chandler would have bestowed on her for having enlightened the rest of us, Miss Spivey simply said, That's right. I think maybe she was so flabbergasted that we didn't all of us know what a camel was that she wasn't sure what to do next. And what she did do only made Mavis feel all the more underappreciated. 
Miss Bivy turned from the map. Actually, she whirled around with all the flowery layers of a dress the superintendent of schools would later call inappropriate fluttering around her legs. And she pointed with a piece of chalk straight at me. My heart was making such a ruckus in my ears as I stood up that I hardly heard her ask my name. I thought she already knew it, based on the name cards she'd stuck on our desks. Ma'am, it's Gladys, I said. Your last name, please, Gladys. Caliph, I said. You're not sure? Ma'am, it's Caliph. Can you spell that for us, please? Of course I could spell my own name. I was the number one pupil in the fifth grade row that